we have a new host of teams that have caught fire in all three leagues. We're going to talk about them this week on the New Ball Report Podcast. All right, we are back. Episode number 130, or not 130, we passed that a while ago. Episode 174 of the the Indie Bar Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's well with the comments over there. And, you know, exactly. I mean, that that really should be, if we ever do actually record the screen so there's a video component to this, if we ever do that, I'm going to have Peanut Gallery as your little marker there. But. But regardless, uh, we got uh, we got some movement in the Frontier League, and surprisingly, over the last ten games, the Empire State Graves are not the worst team in the league, which is a very surprising statement to say. But it is a true statement as well. The American Association has a little bit of fluctuation in the standings. Also, they got some replacements I saw named in the All-Star game because you have a lot of guys getting picked up and whatnot too. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and then the Atlantic League's getting started in the second half. So we got a bunch of stuff happening, all baseball related. So not off season or off the field related, but directly on the field results based. And that's really nice to see. We are really hitting the stride of uh, really all the leagues. Um, and so you're, you're getting to one of the most wonderful times of the year where it's just, it's just all baseball all the time. And you mentioned, uh, the, the Empire State Grays. Unfortunately, we spent a lot of last week's episode talking about how they won two baseball games. Uh, unfortunately, they did not win any baseball games this week. However, they're, they're the worst team in the Frontier League over the last 10 games. Yeah, so I will just jump headlong into that. Obviously, like you said, well, we spent a lot of time talking about them, and uh, they won two games last week, or, well, yeah, about a week ago, and the first was over Tri-City, the second was over and over Danny Wachinski and the Boulders, which was really surprising, but it, it did occur, so they got to two and now 44 on the year, having lost eight straight, but they are still one and nine in their last 10, which obviously means someone had to go 0-10. And And that team would be the Florence Yalls, who have lost their last 10 consecutive games, 17-30 now in the year. And last week we were saying that they really need to start to have a good week here. They may not be out of it, but they are on the brink of it because, you know, uh, the West Division seems to have three or four really solid teams in it. And if you kind of fall off the pace there, you're going to be screwed, and now it seems like uh, at 13 games under 500 that it might be getting really late early for the Florence Yalls as we kind of are closing in on that halfway mark of the season in the Frontier League. Yeah, for sure, and it was a crucial week for them, and um, it was a week where you, you probably needed to see some movement from this team, from the Florence Yalls. So we're, we finally got some movement uh, that we've been asking for from Florence. Unfortunately for Florence, it wasn't uh, moving up the standings. It was moving down very fast. These 10 games, they lost, they got swept at uh, at Washington. I guess no real shame there, because yeah. Washington is a terrific team. Uh, and then losing, losing at Schaumburg in a four-game sweep, and then losing to Lake Erie in three. And 
I will say it's not like they're getting crushed in all of these games. I mean, in this 10-game losing streak, uh, in fact, they have lost a one-run game in six of those 10 games. Yeah, including so, a four-straight uh, four straight one-run loss there. They're going full right. Staten Island. Right, especially... Uh, and yeah, and that would that would that be the last game of the Washington series, and then the first three of the Schomburg series. Regardless, though, the standings don't really care about how much you lost by. Uh, right now, I think the story with this with this Florence team is the bats have gone pretty much cold. Uh, the pitching hasn't been great either, uh, but the the bats for the most part have have gone ice cold uh, at, at the worst time. And listen, now they now they have. Um, it's not like the schedule gets easier for them because then this weekend they're taking on Evansville on the road, and that's a really difficult series. Uh, but it's just it's just not really going well, and for uh, for for the Florence Yalls, and uh, they certainly are struggling away uh, away from home as well. I mean, a, a five and sixteen record on the road is not going to cut it for any team trying to make the postseason. So um, I don't want to say they're uh, they're totally out of it, but as you said, Nick, it, it's getting late early for them. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Evansville, you mentioned, was up next week. Windy City could be something I think they could rebound against. You got four there. Uh, so hopefully you could kind of get something going there. But Joliet's going to play them hard. The Boldies, which is a team I want to talk about in a little bit, has been have been better as of late. And Empire State should be your rebound. But, I mean, at that point, we're already at the end of the month. And your fate could just be about sealed at that point. Honestly, I think we're kind of at that point right now. I would say, though, when you look at the score here, you did mention there's a lot of one-run games here. And I would agree with the batting in the 2-1 losses. I mean, there's one, one, two, three of those and a 4-3 loss. Yeah, you'd like to see more offense from there. But, I mean, they have losses here where it's a 10-7 loss, a 6-3 loss, a nine, an 8-7 loss, a 7-6 loss, a 12-6 loss. You know, the those I more or less put on the pitching. If you're putting up six runs, you kind of got to do a little bit better than that. I will agree, though, there it's probably about a 50-50 split in who's at fault in these losses. It's kind of coin flip. A 2-1, you can't really right. put on a pitcher. An 8-7, you probably could. Obviously, a 4-0 loss, that's one that solely falls on the offense for the most part because, you know, you didn't do your job. You didn't put any runs on the board. But a 10-7, it's again like, okay, you kind of hope your pitching staff can not give up 10 runs a game, especially after your offense gets seven. So I, I think it's more of a split thing there. I think mm-hmm. you could, I think it's more just Washington is a really good team. So that explains that one. And Schaumburg is a really hot team, if I'm not mistaken. They're eight and two, largely because of that sweep, too. Yes. But, uh, you know, obviously, like Gary's a team you should be beating, you need to beat. But at the end of the day, they didn't. And I think that kind of is an indictment there. I can't tell if that's because it's like, hey, we lost seven in a row. We're kind of reeling here. And Lake Erie jumped on them. Or if it was just they're not that good of a ball club. Uh, either way, they, uh, I think they're really kind of about to float up to the top of the water face down. Yeah. And, you know, you say, all right, well, it's a, uh, probably a 50 50 split as far as the blame for Florence. And, and I'd probably agree with that. Uh, I think that would just mean you're just not a good baseball team. Yeah. It, so I, I think, I think that's, that's pretty much what you can say. And 
third, 13 games under another difficult series this weekend. It's not like in the frontier league, it's not like you have a ton of games left anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so they're, they're running out of time, but I mean, yeah, just a miserable, miserable week, uh, for Florence to essentially put themselves out of it. Exactly. I think realistically they need to come up with probably two or three from Evansville to even have a hope at this point, but they are almost essentially at the exact halfway mark at this point. So, you know, it's a 362 winning percentage tells you that they're not winning games here and that this slash stretch is kind of the, the nail in the coffin. Because before, I mean, they were 17 and 20, about 500. You could definitely get hot and go on a run. But now, I mean, even if you were to win 10 straight, you'd still be probably middle of this division because if you look at the three four and five slots uh, for that west division playoff spot you have schaumburg at 24 and 23 eight and two of course in their last 10 so they got hot and did what they had to do gateway starting to find themselves starting to be a bit more of that team that we were talking up in the beginning of the year they've won their last three they've won six of their last 10 they're about 500 one game above 500 joliet's one game under 500 but they've lost their last three, so they're kind of on the opposite swing of Gateway there. So that last playoff position really is still competitive. I mean, Lake Erie even at 21 and 27 on a four-game winning streak, 500 as of recent, they're not necessarily out of it, although they would have a lot more work to get done in order to are really, I think, put themselves as a serious contender here. As far as the West goes, really, it's only Washington and Evansville who are... I think it's safely in at both over 30 wins, two of the best teams in this league. It's hard to say otherwise that they're safely in the postseason, especially Evansville, who's nine and one in their last 10, uh, that only lot that loss coming on uh, their last game there. So uh, Evansville has just been a machine so far this year. A terrific team for most of the year, but it's fun. the one thing I do. I, the one point I really want to hit on is when you're talking Washington and Evansville uh, for that one, two spot, Let's not forget the Frontier League playoff format either. That is that that getting that one seed in, in a division is very very important. Oh yeah, absolutely uh, it is yeah. And, and so I, I think that uh, that's what also makes the, this what make this is what makes this kind of weird because you know whoever ends up winning between Washington um, a bit between Washington and Evansville at the end of the day who are or on the losing end of that I should say is yeah. going to be taking on a team who between Washington and Evansville specifically, and of course with, with Quebec and, and Ottawa in the, uh, in the East Division as well should certainly be mentioned. But I think with Washington and Evansville specifically, uh, you know, it's a lot more important than, oh, it's well, it's Washington and Evansville and who else? Well, the, it's a really, really big deal who gets the, who gets the, uh, who wins the, each division uh, in the Frontier League uh, this season. So the Washington Evansville race is going to be, Really, really fun because there is so, so much on the line. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is. I mean, it's those kind of, and we saw with Schaumburg last year too, they were kind of the weaker team in the postseason and they wound up winning everything. It, when you look over on the East, like you were saying, you know, Quebec and Ottawa, they're very good teams as well, but it really is a lot more evened out there, I want to say there. I, I feel like when you look at the two divisions, the East feels like a more complete division, while the West feels like it's the more top-heavy division, if you see what I'm saying. Like, they, the West has two of the better teams in Evansville 
and Washington in it, but they also play a lot of not so great teams. I guess you can make the same argument with, well, the East has New Jersey and Empire State in it, but when you take those two out of the mix, everybody else is still in contention for a playoff spot. And realistically, you could see, and I didn't really think coming into this week I'd be saying it that you could see the boulders jumping up and taking the two spot and hosting a playoff game and I think now all of a sudden that's possible again especially with the top three teams playing 500 baseball as a reason but yeah I would uh, I would agree there that that playoff spot in the west hosting that game means an awful lot there and that top seed means a lot because you're going to host the winner of that and having home field advantage in that next round really does mean a lot when a game, a, uh, a series that has the championship game on the line uh, is at hand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think when you, when you, when you look at the East as well, you start to mention um, the Boulders as well. And they're definitely uh, the team that I think has had a very notable week. They're playing, uh, they're playing really good baseball as of right, as of right now. And the, the thing that should be mentioned about them is that they did it against two of the tougher teams in their division yeah. uh, th- in this this week. I mean, you look at the stretch uh, they had against really since last Friday when they swept the doubleheader against Ottawa. Um, I mean, what you're talking? Uh, you're talking five and two against Ottawa at home and Sussex County at home. I yeah. mean, that's that that is that's the way to get yourself back. Uh, into the playoff race now it doesn't get easier for them because now they got to go to Quebec this weekend uh, as you know it, yeah. it doesn't really get it doesn't it, it doesn't get and I mean you're talking it's tough, then, yeah. yeah you're talking Tri-City the, after that who's I guess they're okay uh, uh, Sussex County again for two so another d- tough, difficult one then Florence who's eh and then at Evansville, who's very good. So it doesn't get easier for the boulders, but I mean, so far they've shown that they, they're up to the challenge. And, and right now, I mean, their, their bats are red hot. Uh, it's been, it's been a lot of high scoring games. Um, so the pitching really hasn't been there much for the boulders. I mean, but their bats are the best in that East division and the league. Yeah, no, their bats are something else there with the way they can hit enough. So the ballpark does help them. If you're able to hit to the corners, you have the the two short porches that really do help you out there as well. And I mean, you look uh, at the Boulder schedule here, and I, we'll go back and touch on some other things in a second here. But realistically, you're right. Well, they made a they had a really solid week against you know a Miners team that's very good, a Ottawa team that's very good, and they beat up on Empire State after you know the loss. If they can get through Quebec and they can get through Tri-City, really the next eight games, those next two series and a two-set, the only tough games, I'd say, are left. The Evansville series is obviously going to be difficult, especially going there. Uh, It's not going to be fun. It's going to be a tough one there. And then Gateway could put up a real big fight here because it's the last series in July. That could very well be a a seasons-on-the-line type of series. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them fighting and clawing type of thing. Because if you're going into the last real month of the season, I think there's a one or two games in September, if I'm not mistaken. But realistically, August is the make or break month here. So if you're hovering around 500 and someone else has gotten hot towards the end of July, you really need to kind of keep pace there because you only got like 25 games or so to really do something in August. But 
regardless, when you flip the calendar over it, they have three rivers to start the month. They have Empire State to start after that. Then Ottawa that they've proven they can beat. And then they have three rivers again. Then New Jersey. All these are for three, by the way. A Miners team at Sussex County. Then New Jersey at New Jersey. Tri-City. And then Empire State with another three rivers that wrap it up to end the year. But realistically, you look at that and how many of those games are tough once you get into July? Nine of them, maybe? The rest of them are very winnable series. And even those nine are teams you've proven you can beat. So, like, I know I slag New York, Rockland, the Boulder organization as a whole as a perennial, like, 450 winning percentage team because they've done that for several years in a row now and they started off the year like that but the schedule does work in their favor if they can just manage to keep this going through July and for like the next two three weeks they can play like say six out of every four baseball they're in very very good shape even 500 baseball they should be fine at only about a game back of a wild card spot Especially when they're only, especially as you mentioned, as you just mentioned, they're they're only a game back um, on Sussex County, and they've shown that they can beat Sussex Sussex County as well. But they have a lot of head-to-head matchups against those two teams, like coming up within within the next week, which is really important. Yeah. I mean, you, you got you got two against Sussex County, uh, three against um, three against Tri City as well. That'll be really important after, the, after of course, uh, the, their big Quebec series, which I, th- this weekend, which will answer some questions. But you're right. I mean, down the stretch is uh, their schedule definitely weakens quite a bit, and a couple of uh, Empire State matchups as well. I mean, granted, they did lose to, to them once, but uh, but you know th- their schedule is manageable, and especially uh, if you were to, if you were to compare that to a team. Um, like the Sussex County Miners that they're going to be going against. The Sussex County Miners, at least, they have they have a lot of matchups with Quebec still, a lot of matchups, uh, a couple matchups with Ottawa still. So they 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 still have um some good teams left on their schedule as well. So I don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Even Tri City still they're playing some good baseball as of right now, even though they've lost their last two. Uh, but it's going to be a very interesting race for that for that last playoff spot in the East and the Boulders, who I guess I, I mean Nick, you're right when you say that. And I think a lot of us were kind of writing them off in a sense, just kind of just like this mediocre bunch. Uh, but they've they've played really good baseball uh, of recent, and could they regress back to being mediocre? Yeah, they could. Um, I mean, that, that wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the way their bats are swinging, are, are swinging right now, uh, they, they're a very dangerous team. Um, and Sussex County and Tri-City should be worried at the moment, but there's a lot of head-to-head matchups uh, left between those those three teams playing against each other. So I think those things will end up solving themselves. Uh, but, but certainly a, a very, very interesting race I guess, and the boulders kind of thrusting themselves into the mix that we didn't really see coming, you could say. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you mentioned Sussex County. I mean, they have a grudge match series this weekend with Tri-City. So who knows what that's going to be like. Then they play, I guess, another rival in New Jersey at New Jersey next week. Then we mentioned the boulder series. It's a two-game set. And then they have Evansville for three. 
which I really wish I could go see that one, but I'm going to be in North Carolina at that point, so I can't. But I'm really disappointed. I really want to see this Evansville team in person because they really are just kind of a wagon of a team. I mean, they're really, really good. Uh, so much so we don't really talk about them just because they've been consistently good all year. Uh, but regardless, they have them, then they go to, they go to Gateway, then they go to Florence. So they have, you know, they have some opponents left here, maybe not Florence, but the other two certainly. And down the stretch, they, they still do have a Quebec series, which could be important towards the end of August. And they have Tri-City again at the end of August going into that Labor Day weekend where they finish up against New Jersey. But there is a, there's stretches in this schedule where it could get really tough for them. So the Miners really kind of need to batten down here. They need a big series against Tri-City, I'd say. And you'd really would hope they could take care of the Jackals. And you're able to do that, let's say, in the next six, you win. Again, I'm just going to go with, say, three or four. I think they're doing fine. I mean, they still do hold that spot, but it's just a lot closer here, especially when one of the teams that you're playing this week is only a half game back of you in the standings. And by the time this could come out, it could be the inverse of that. You know, they could switch spots and Sussex County could be a half game back. I mean, heck, if the Boulders win, that could even fall even more. So that's a really close and competitive race that we're going to have to keep watching. Yeah, for sure, and it's it'll a lot of teams. In, there's a lot of teams in the mix. You don't you don't even want to count out a team like Three Rivers yet, and you know maybe you can count out the Jackals, but okay. uh, but I think that um, there it's going to be an exciting race, especially for for this for this one spot. And you would think uh, the the winners going to be the, the one of those three teams: Tri City, uh, New York, and uh, Sussex County will be heading. Likely to Ottawa, we'll have to see. Uh, Ottawa yeah. and Quebec have been kind of mediocre lately, but uh, certainly going to be a fun race to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that. And on that note, we will switch to the American Association, which has had a little bit of jockeying in the standings here. Earlier in the year, and I guess earlier in the month, it would be more accurate to say, I said, oh, King County's looking really strong. Then they dipped off. Now they've gotten really strong again because Milwaukee has just hit the skids alongside Gary. Both of those two teams are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, so just not really doing it. Meanwhile, Kane County took advantage of the opportunity. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've jumped into second place in the East Division. They're, of course, still about six games back of the Dogs for that first spot, but they are comfortably in a playoff spot. And all of a sudden, where we once thought, okay, well... Lake Country, they were hung, then they were not, and then I was like, okay, their season may be done. All of a sudden now, it's like, okay, well, they're two and a half back of the one team and only about four back of another team. So, all of a sudden, everything's still in the mix here, and I'm not sure if I want to say Cleburne's still in this, because, I mean, they are, what, five games back or so, uh, but they, they aren't out of it yet because, well, Milwaukee has kind of opened the door for them. Well, there's so many there's so many teams that, that, that make the postseason. Like it's hard uh, for a team to be definitely out of it. But I, to be honest with you, I, I mean I think the big story here because again I think you look at like the West Division for example. The West Division is is pretty much um, the West Division is pretty much set at this point. Between let's say like Fargo or Kansas City and Winnipeg, Fargo and Kansas City for the one two. Uh, Winnipeg and Lincoln for the three four, and you know, obviously, it's not that easy because of choosing your opponents and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but I think 
that's pretty much set and the, yeah. the two Sioux teams are, are just out of it. It's it's fun that the Sioux Falls Canaries have now won five consecutive games. Eight and uh, two. unfortunately eight and two in the last ten. Maybe they're getting hurt. Yeah, no, so it's, it's too late. Um <laughs> but I think uh now I think in the East I mean it's now again this could all be solved because so many teams make the playoffs and it's it's kind of a crapshoot. But man, I mean what has happened to Milwaukee? I yeah. mean, they there's there's so much talent on the roster, and really, it just we just haven't seen it at all from them. They they're really struggling. Um, they're they're struggling big time. Link they just lost the series to Lincoln, lost the series to Chicago, got swept by Lake Country before that, uh, and swept so, by Gary before that. Right. I mean, it, it's. They have really, really hit the skids. One specific problem per se, uh, I think it's kind of just both, and they're just not playing. They're just not playing well right now. But hey, you know what? At the end of the day, it is it is going to be gut check time for Milwaukee. Looking at their looking at their uh, looking at their schedule because the games before were the ones they probably had to win, and now, I mean, here comes here comes seven consecutive games against the Kane County Cougars. And then followed by four against Kansas City. So we're going to find out kind of, I mean, this team has been punched in the mouth. We're going to see what kind of, we're going to see what kind of guts they have because, uh, I mean, they're really hit the skids and it's about to get a whole lot tougher. And is there any doubt that Milwaukee will make the playoffs? Probably not. Uh, but I, I think it's, uh, at the end of the day, they are really, really struggling right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Because after that Kansas City series, yeah, you get a little bit of a respite. You get to stay home and get the Explorers in there for a little bit, three game set. Then you go right back to the road to Lincoln, and then you go back to Kane County for another uh, six games there. So six games between Lincoln and Kane County, that is. So it's not exactly like July is an easy month for them. It's kind of make or break time, I think. Because like I'm gonna be honest here. I look at Lake Country still, and I know we just had a discussion on them, but they're not that far off the pace. I mean, they're 19-31 versus a Milwaukee team that's 22-26. and 26. So, I mean, what is it? Milwaukee's played about two games fewer. So, given the current state, if the Dockhounds are able just to get hot enough, and let's say the Railcats are able to stay, you know, well, they managed to not be 2-8. and eight. They managed to find something here. You know, they, there is a chance they could fall out of it. I do agree. I think they're pretty much safe because of the four team setup here. And once you're in, anything can happen here. But I mean, it's quite clear they are not a top playoff team. They are probably on the weaker two of the eight teams that are there right now. And that is an issue. Likewise, I mean, if you want to just kind of take a look at the, the stats over the last seven days, they don't really have anyone up top. You know, they have. No one really hitting at all. I mean, Torres is, but Torres has always been hitting. He's been kind of driving the bus in that regard. But outside of that, you have to really go down until you find Mason Davis and Logan Trowbridge. They're doing something. Aaron Hill's doing something. I mean, then it starts to really fall out. So, yeah, you got four guys there. But overall, it's just not really coming together for them right now, whether it be pitching or whether it be batting. You need more consistency, and that's something they're not finding here. And... This is exactly why that four teams make the postseason thing. I just really don't love solely because, you know, 
we should be saying, oh, they're in danger right now. And we all kind of know they're not really in danger, are they? And it's a bit disappointing to see that. Yeah, for sure. It's it's disappointing. Um, and it, it's just the problem is it, it's, it's just an underperforming roster, really. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, you know, you certainly got to give credit for uh, for a team like Kane County and uh, who's played who's played great baseball of late as well. But I mean, wow, I, it's it's stunning to see really Milwaukee and Gary South Shore, for example, two games apart from each other at this point in the year. Right? It's yeah. not something that I think any of us uh, saw coming. But I, I think you mentioned you you mentioned really the the underperforming that that we've seen, um, and so they'll have they have time to turn it around and yeah, you, I agree with the whole, the, the whole four. And I know they're just kind of looking for chaos and it's more of a larger point, but uh, they're kind of looking just for chaos and playoffs. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> I don't know how much I like, for example, a team uh, in the East, like Gary South shore, who's 21 and 29 or Lake country who's 19 and 31. I mean, we're talking about, well, it's going to be one of those two for, for last playoff spot. <sighs> Especially yeah. when you play a hundred games, I, I don't I don't like that, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think I, I kind of like the way the Frontier League does it. I, I think I think to be honest with you, that's the perfect playoff system. Yeah. Um, and because I think it really their division, and because that's why I love the wild card game format in the MLB, and I'm kind of sad to see it go. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to really incentivize winning the division. I mean, because you think of a team like, for example, uh, like, and I know you get to, well, you get to choose your, you get to choose your opponent, and that, and that's cool. But uh, I think that, uh, especially when you look at that Frontier League format, you have uh, it's such an advantage getting that, winning that division, even if those two are just far ahead of everybody. Um, and I think that. I don't love I don't love a system where a twenty one and twenty nineteen we're talking about yeah they're at a playoff spot right now yeah it it does feel bad especially because I mean you look at like the pitching on this roster and I mean currently their top starting pitcher is Miles Smith no real surprise there but he's got a four eighteen yeah. ERA a, a very far cry just across the board you look at everything he's done I mean strikeouts are still up but everything else is just not really where it needs to be a far cry from a guy that won pitcher of the year last year. Then you look at a guy like Zimmerman, uh, who's a 527. He's probably their next best guy, unless they're going to keep using Young, who's more of a bullpen guy. I know they just lost another starting pitcher, but then Jones and Mathis, both at 6.5 and, and 720. Uh, that, that There isn't starting pitching on this team, and even the relief pitching, it's like, okay, it's Benoit, and it is Echeverria, and I guess Kowalczyk as well. Those are the three that are all in the twos. They vary from low twos to high twos, but they're in the twos. So really, you look there, it's like, okay, we have three really solid pitchers on this roster. And that is a major, major issue that they really do need to go out and address. And I understand pitching is very hard to find, but you got to find it somewhere. Because, I mean, like I said, Trowbridge was getting better as of recent, but he's still only hitting 208. You know, uh, Conley, he's hitting 233. Corel Prime has not been the same Corel Prime we saw in Fargo Moorhead. Well, Kenger is doing all right, I guess, at like 260, seven home runs for him. Barnum's kind of fallen off. He's batting under 270 now and is 
kind of plateauing at about 12 home runs. Uh, and they just lost Chad Cedeno to Mexico. So really now it's kind of falling on Aaron Hill, Mason Davis, Dylan Kelly, and uh, Torres here. I think it's Brian Torres uh, to really pull everything out here and just drive the bus for this team here. And uh, if you're relying on really three or four guys to do all your offensive work, it's probably not going to work out well for you. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, and I think that's really the problem that we're seeing uh, with Milwaukee. And um, you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned that the, the Miles Smith is the ace of the staff. Of course, not a surprise at all. Uh, but he's kind of had a mass season. And you think of like the when Milwaukee is at their best, their pitching staff is usually leading the way. Yep. And this is not, not what you've seen from this team. Um, now, I don't want to count them out because the talent's still there. And uh, and at the end of the day, with so many teams in the playoffs, you a team could absolutely get hot, like, like Milwaukee. Uh, but, I mean, right now, it's, it's just tough to see. And uh, they're a team that... Uh, that Anthony Brown's going to have to, he's going to have to play a large role in trying to, trying to figure out this roster because right now um, they're, they are really, really struggling, but plenty of time for them to get it back uh, on track. Well, of course they're not going to, they're not going to finish first in the East division. They could certainly still finish second and then all pretty much all is forgotten at that point. But, uh, but right now the struggles are definitely real. Absolutely is the case there. And I mean, you, we could talk elsewhere in this league, but the West division is pretty much settled. I think we kind of know that it's going to be Kansas City and Fargo's top two teams in this league as a whole. And certainly in the West, uh, I mean, Lincoln and Winnipeg there, they're kind of fighting there. I mean, maybe Sioux Falls comes up with something that I have gotten hot as of late, but I mean, I, I still, I'm still kind of questioning it a little bit, uh, certainly. Uh, they're not the, they beat up on Sioux Falls, they, or Sioux City rather, they beat up on Cleburne. So it's not like they're beating up on these amazingly strong teams. They're beating up on some weaker opponents, winning games they should be winning. And I mean, their schedule's about to get a lot more difficult with Fargo starting today. Then they get Sioux again, then they get Fargo again, then they get Kane County, then Kansas City. So I think it's probably coming to an end on their hot run. But hey, who knows? They did manage to take two of three from Kansas City the last time they went around on them. And I mean, they, they kind of turned into a track meet in some games and they managed to win it. So maybe the Canaries can keep it up, but they are what they are. King County also gotten better as of late. But overall, I think the American Association is fairly settled in now. It's really a matter of how is Milwaukee going to fall because I think that dictates an awful lot here. Yeah, for sure. I think they they hold a lot of the cards as to the really the uh, the storylines of this league right now. But I think you're right that everything else is is pretty set right now. Yep, definitely there, and they're halfway done with their season, so we will see what happens as the year goes on. There, we'll shift to the. Atlantic League now. Um, second half is now underway. The Ferry Hawks are still without a loss in the second half. Lancaster's doing better as well. The Ducks aren't doing so hot. And uh, the the Honey Hunters remain pretty hot in the second half as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the Honey Hunters have really established themselves as, uh, as really the, the, the top-tier team in the South division. And of course we're talking two or three games since the second half has started. So you don't want to draw too many conclusions. Uh, but 
I mean, Gastonia is still playing great baseball right now. They finished, they finished the first half red hot, uh, and high point as well in the South division has, yep. has struggled, uh, quite a bit. Um, they, they've struggled. They're, they're 0 3 to start the second half again. So, so, so early. So you don't want to really make any, uh, make any big conclusions uh but at the same time i think um, when you look when you look at gastonia really i think that you got to start with their pitching i mean they had the best pitching they had the best pitching in the league uh and it's a far cry from from where they were last season and as good as southern maryland has been i mean gastonia's pitching has, has been better and uh, I mean, offensively, they've been they've been pretty good uh, near in the top half of the league uh, as well. But especially when you look at Gastonia offensively, I mean, so much of it has been small ball and stealing bases and base running and cutting down on the strikeouts. Again, way different than how the, than how they operated a season ago. Uh, I mean, look. I mean, let's look at the numbers here, Gastonia. They lead the league with 154 stolen bases. Second place is the Barnstormers at 90. Third place with 82 is Southern Maryland. Again, to repeat, we have 90 and 82 in second and third place. Gastonia has 154. Yeah, they're on pace for the record. I mean, that is just bananas. Uh, And so they're a team that that is really turned to be super aggressive uh and it's funny you look at a team like southern maryland as well they're near the bottom of the league in home runs as well but um but of course they have had such a great season as well uh but i mean gastonia has put they've put together a complete roster um it's it's a totally different strategy from from their first season which they saw uh, i mean so many of their struggles but i mean they're continuing even though they already won the first half uh, they're already back off to a hot start in the second half as well. And again, a stress three games. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I mean, they, they've established themselves. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they probably are the best team in the Atlantic league right now. Maybe. I mean, Southern Maryland, of course, uh, is up there as well, but I mean, I think even though Southern Maryland has the better record, Gastonia has had to play tougher teams. Uh, they've, and even, even teams in their division, like wild health, the wild, wild health has the, uh, has the best offense in the, uh, in the league. So I, I think if you were to say like, okay, in a series, hypothetical series with Southern Maryland and Gastonia, I'd honestly go Gastonia. So, um, so I mean, they've been a fascinating team to watch. Their turnaround has been incredible. Uh, and it back off to another good start in that second half. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think they are probably... I have a hard time going against Southern Maryland because they've never really looked weak all year. But again, it could be the quality of opponent that they're playing that that's part of the reason for it. Either way, it's pretty much a clear-cut one and two at the top of the pile. Uh, but Wild Health is an interesting team. They ended the first half in a hot streak. They made, you know, all the rounds on social media for uh, Minikasi spat-throwing ejection, which is, you know cool i guess i never really liked that stuff it seems childish but whatever uh if people like it people like it i guess uh regardless it it does feel like that that south division is real interesting it's too early to really say anything because i mean we're three games in on it like you said well so i i will say to that point though gastonia does feel like 
a true contender team. It feels like a team that can beat up on Southern Maryland, that could beat up on anyone coming out of the North. It's a matter of how is it going to look in the South? Is Lexington maybe going to do something major? Is, you know, Wild Health going to keep the hot streak they came into this on alive? Is it going to be Charleston that maybe does something? Is it going to be High Point that, you know, is like the High Point we saw in the first half that's going to come up and you have to take a wild card and take the division title again? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here. So I don't want to say one way or the other, but I, I would say calling Gastonia the best team is not an outlandish statement. It's just one that I'm not sure I would make right now, but I, I think it's perfectly logical to say it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Gastonia is, I think they've established themselves as the true contender, but I think High Point is the, really the team to watch. I think as far as the other teams in the South, certainly Wild Health won to uh, be forced to be reckoned with as well, just because of how they can swing the bat. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, Lexington's pitching is just so horrid. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I really consider them much of uh, much of a threat at all. Yeah, uh, but I just I feel like they have enough. There, I mean, obviously they've had their issues. I mean, losing their pretty much their whole baseball ops department is not a great start. So, I mean, maybe that's what's going to hold them back here, and it wouldn't surprise me all too much if that's the case here. Obviously, like the fun series for me coming up is the fact that. High point guests don't are playing each other, so this could be a fun series this week. But as far as you know, Lexington goes, they do have Long Island that has not been great this week, so maybe you go ahead and you get something going against them, perhaps. Uh, but overall, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. It's just I have a very hard time, you know, going against a Lexington team that was so good last year, and I know last year's a while ago now. But it feels like they're able to pull something out here. I know, but they're just the the they're just the worst pitching staff in the league by a wide margin. Like it's not yeah. even close. So yeah. that's that's kind of just what I'm thinking about here. And I mean, they have the most walks that, or excuse me, second most walks in the league. Um, it's they've given up the most home runs in the league. It's it's just it's been a rough year uh, for Lexington, and I I just don't know, especially in because they're not going to get the wild card uh, given the first half they had, so they'd have to win the division. And as they're I don't know, is there any way I can really see them outpacing a team like, teams like Gastonia and High Point and even Wild Health for for um, for the second half? I think it's unlikely uh, at best. So. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's funny. You see Gastonia and Lexington just going in complete opposite directions after having complete opposite seasons last year. Yeah. It's been uh, an interesting story to watch. Uh, but it's but I mean Gastonia yeah. getting so much better and Lexington going the opposite direction. Absolutely, there. And just going through a quick look, according to our friend Ryan here, uh, Courtney Hawkins is still on pace to challenge the uh, home run record season single season home run record of Ozzy Canseco's 48 uh, that he hit back in 2000 with Nork. So he, that could be something positive for the legends to watch if for nothing else, a home run race. Carlos Franco and uh, Kelly Duke and apparently awesome in that race. Check out Ryan's uh, Twitter ALPB roundup to uh, see more on that. But yeah, there's some interesting stuff happening around. Yeah, it, it's just, it's hard just because 
we just you, you like we kind of knew who the winners were in the first half, like a yeah. like a week or two ago, and then now we're just starting the second half. So it's just there's it's not a lot of conclusions to draw yeah. at, at the moment. But I mean, it's, it's always that uh, that awkward period before stuff really gets moving, yep. and uh, when you have to talk about something. So. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where we're at. I think that's where we're at generally. I think we're at a pretty good spot to leave it off this week. Not much else happening around. Uh, Carlos Frank, I believe, reached base 48 consecutive games as well for the York Revolution. So very good for him. I think that's a record, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, uh, yeah, overall, pretty, uh, Pretty good week overall in Indie Ball. We had a lot of movement, and the Frontier League is turning out to be the real interesting league out of them all. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's just pure chaos, movement. Uh, you, you, it's unpredictable as well. So I think the the Frontier League is the one that's definitely the most unsettled going into the uh, the, the last third of the season, I guess you could say. Or, yeah, maybe not the last third, but uh, or around there, second half. Yep, definitely. So we'll see where it goes going forward. With that, I think we could wrap up this week's show. And, uh, yeah, we'll go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You could do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at uh, IndieBallReport on Instagram there. So you could do that. You could find the show wherever you find podcasts, Tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, Castbox, any of the major ones uh were on there. So you could just go ahead and if you're able to like, rate, review, and subscribe to help the show grow. If you want to find show notes for this show, any other show, any past interviews we've done, any past shows we've done, that's all on the website, indiebarreport.com. So be sure to go over there and check all of that out. Uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add this week? Well, the Devils just traded for a goalie, Vitek Vanacek. So oh, you traded for Vitek Vanacek? They did. I did not see that. I'm, yeah. I'm scouring yeah. Twitter right now. Yeah, so uh, which means the Devils traded for a goalie, and you know what that means? He'll probably retire by December. <laughs> or Vitek Vanacek may not be the answer. We don't know yet. I don't know. There's there there, there There's a... Um, it's, it's very interesting because the devils, whenever they think they have an answer, they don't. So, uh, I don't know. We'll find out. And speaking of, of the first round of the draft that I guess just happened, of course, the, you know, the, the yeah. devils took, took it. They took, I, I wonder yeah. what, what is the deal with Shane, right? Cause there's gotta be something up there that made him fall the way he did. See, it's he got the uh, the Seth Jones special as I call it, where it's like, is he going to go one or is he going to go two? And then he goes to four because same thing happened to Seth Jones because it was him or McKinnon, and then it wound up who was it? It went, if I'm not mistaken, it went McKinnon, then it went Drewen, then it went Barkov, then it went Jones. But my only reasoning here is Shane. Doesn't fit in New Jersey. Obviously, you know, him and Slavkowski were one, two. So whatever. He doesn't really have a fit in New Jersey because y'all already have too many centers as it is. That is true. So he doesn't really fit there. So then we go on to three here. The Coyotes really weren't ready for Shane Wright to fall to them. And I think they probably just talked themselves into, all right, 
well, we're going to take Logan Cooley. It's Cooley no matter what. We Wright's not going to fall to us. One of the two teams we promised is going to get him, so we're going to take Cooley, and that's going to be that. And then when Wright felt him, they were like, uh, should we take Shane? And then they said, no, we already did all our prep work on Cooley. We feel comfortable with Logan Cooley. We're going to go with Logan Cooley. And so then they just took him there. And then Seattle was like, oh, okay, so we're going to run Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright as our one-two punch down the middle for the next 15 years. All right. And then they took him. That's the only thing I could think of because he has the hockey interview down. He has, like, I mean, like, we got to understand, like, since he was 14, he's been getting trained for this shit. And he's been, you know, exceptional status in the OHL. He's been pretty much tailor-made to be a first. So maybe he's just been nitpicked to death. Maybe it's just something like that. That's all I could think of. Because keep in mind, the Devils really didn't fit for him. And they needed a defenseman more. And Arizona's the only one that's a bit of a head scratcher. But I mean, it is Arizona. So I mean... It's not the they worst. They literally the play in a five thousand seat arena now. So it's terrible. Like, <clears throat> that that's a whole other thing. But that's embarrassing to the National Hockey League that they're allowing this to happen. It's embarrassing. Just move them to Houston yeah. already and be done with this. It's a I would I'd be done with that. It's a field experiment. Move them to Houston. Then eventually, when we're going to expansion again, in like ten years or something, then put another team in Arizona when they have their whole situation figured out. And it's not right. an embarrassment to this league. To have someone playing in a goddamn college arena. It's so embarrassing. But yeah, so there's all that. And I'm, you know, all I have to say is I'm really happy that uh, we traded Georgiev and we managed to get back a surprisingly large amount of picks. I was not expecting that return. So I'm happy with the return there. Good for Georgie. He gets to go be a starter. Yeah, I, I'd, agree, I'd agree with that. I think it, I think it, it makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely does. So it works out there. And I guess. I mean, and also, uh, and also, Rangers fan favorite Tony D'Angelo heading to the Flyers, which. Oh, well, he is. Rangers fans love them even more. They have, yep. Man, I'm missing everything here. We got to wrap this up so that way I'm not missing it. Because all I saw was Billy Huso to Detroit. No, no. I mean, D'Angelo literally just went to. Uh, D'Angelo just went to Philadelphia. God, this is why I love the draft. All this stuff happens. And, like, I'm still annoyed that I'm probably going to wind up working next week during Free Agent Frenzy. Because I love Free Agent Frenzy. Yeah. But, yeah. So, we're going to wrap it up here then. Because I want to get in on all this uh, excitement here. So, with that said, nothing else left to add. Don't forget to play ball.